Welcome to Devices and Desires. I'm Father Brian Wandell. We're looking at the culture we live in. We're exposing the cracks in the stories it tells, stories of progress, self-image, success, happiness. We're trying to figure out what it looks like for the gospel to open up from within that fragmented culture. We're going to bring our perspective as Anglican Christians, but whoever you are, we hope you'll track with us as we examine the devices and desires of our own hearts and those of our culture. I'm I'm so glad you could join us today. This is the second part of a a two-part episode. So in the last one, we looked at news, uh, the whole kind of big topic of what is the news. There's so much information out there. Uh, but how, how, you know, how, how are we going to process all of that? So we, just, we figured we should do this in two steps. So the, the first step was the last episode. Please go ahead and, and, and listen to that episode. I think it was really good. And the second part here uh, with Father Andrew Thibault and myself, uh, we're going we're gonna to try to get more practical this time. Uh, so on the one side, we're going to say, uh, how do we read the news? And on the second side, we're going to just look at some actual news sources that we use and uh, what, what are the best things to do to try to figure out what's going on in the world around us. So, uh, Andrew, uh, thanks for Greetings. being here today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, happy to continue our conversation. Got a question for you. Um, you have uh, a real life besides uh, ministry uh, outside of this kind of thing, right? Um, Presumably. Presumably. Uh, there are sometimes you don't wear the collar. Uh, what, what have you been reading lately, Andrew? Uh, I've been reading uh, uh, several different things, but um, the two fun things I, I've read, uh, one, th- one I just finished was uh, Aldous Huxley's book, uh, Brave New World, which many people think uh, is like the fiction book that best understands our, our cultural context. Uh, it was a fun book to read. I haven't, I've, it's, it's been since high school since I read it. Um, it was written like 90 years ago, right? 1930-something, yeah. 38 or something like that was when it was published. And it was eerie. It felt like throughout the whole book, like he had read our mail. Like he somehow yeah. had uh, a better idea of what was going to be happening now than... Um, and interestingly enough, uh, thriftbooks.com, which is like a big um, website to, that sells used books, they just yesterday or something sent out an email their two most popular books for the year they're the the biggest sellers that they've um they saw and it's not the books that i thought it would have been it was actually 1984 and brave new world so <laughs> everybody's reading dystopian novels i, I don't know say, what that yeah. says about 2020 but to clarify those are not good <laughs> things that that it describes our world uh yeah so i i and i do commend that to our readers um recommend that to you uh, Brave New World is is very uh, insightful, and in, I think into yeah. where we find ourselves. Fairly not not too long, from what I remember. Not not a super long book. Uh, no, it was only like uh, 180, 200 yeah. pages, something like that. And it's he's such a great writer; it goes quick. Yeah. I mean, it's not it, you get sucked into the story pretty pretty quickly. There there weren't a lot of lulls. That um, it's an interesting story. And then I've just started uh, the Iliad, which was Homer's. Uh, one of the two epic poems that Homer wrote about, and this one being about the the War of Troy. That uh, was also old, right? 1930 what? Uh, yeah, like <laughs> B.C. maybe. <laughs> right. <laughs> old book. Huh? Uh, very old book. Very classic book. Um, and actually has some uh, resonance with our conversation today. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll find out. Great, great. Well, so recently, uh, something I watched recently was Disney Plus 
released uh, the video, uh, the yeah, the video version of the play Hamilton. Oh, you've seen? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Casey and I went to see it um, two or three years ago in Cleveland when it was there, which was amazing. It wasn't the original cast, though. Okay. So when we saw it, um, you know, it was, it was other other people, other actors playing, uh, which was still amazing. And of course, you know, uh, I'm a history nerd, but beyond that, I think many people like me, we'd listen to all of the music beforehand. Uh, so it was cool to see it on the play, but then it was it was really great to see it with the original actors because a number of them won Tonys for their performance. Right, right. And, um, and as well, to be honest, the choreography is really amazing in the different the battle scenes and the kind of what they're doing uh, in the midst of it. Because really, the whole play is is musical. There's there's almost no non-music dialogue. And so they do choreography with all of it. And uh, it was it was incredible. It was, it was really good. That's really neat. We'll have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. So we're getting into our second part of trying to figure <laughs> out how we deal with the news. This is a big topic, right? Not only because like we all read the news, like people have been doing that for a long time, but there's just so much news out there. I think many of us are just feeling like every couple of months, there's something else in the news that divides us fundamentally, right? Like right. The, the news has become such an important thing for us because it become, it's so identify, identity, identity defining and, uh, and su- such, such a difficult thing uh, most of the time now. And I think a lot of people are like, uh, either they get really into it and they define themselves as like you're an A or you're a B, whatever it is, or uh, they're just like, uh, none of this is worthwhile. Like, can we just, you know, like none of this is worth pursuing. Like the, it's not like the nature of politics is to get people riled up and they just turn things off. Right. So we're trying to figure out a course here um, coming from some of the principles of our faith uh, that is healthy, that's not just reactionary. Right. So we're really going to get to the practical stuff, right, Andrew? That's the hope. So uh, <laughs> the, first, the first half of today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, how we should read the news. But instead of just diving into that with some of our ideas, we've got a framework that we're going to use. And this is a pretty old framework for how to do things rightly, uh, even how to do things Christianly. Uh, An- Andrew, what's that framework that we're going to use? Uh, it would be the virtues, Brian. Uh, virtue ethics. Yeah. Yes. So what's that mean? Why are, why are we using this? Good question. It was your idea. <laughs> 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 Let's see if I can <laughs> help us uh, break it open a little bit. So the idea behind uh, virtue ethics is that um, and it's a, it's a, like you said, it's an old idea. So it goes back even um, before Christianity. You find um, the virtues and uh, great thinkers like Plato and Aristotle and, and Cicero and, and other big um, pre-Christian Western names. So it goes way back. And even then, the idea was that humanity, human beings were sort of on our way towards something. We were sojourners or, or wayfarers or, or pilgrims. Uh, and we were, we were marching along um, towards some goal, some purpose. Uh, all of us individually, but also us as uh, a corporation or a corporate body. Um, and they conceived of this mostly in terms of the city. But uh, what helped us to get to the goal was a set of excellences, which is the, where we get the word virtue, uh, a set of uh, moral characteristics. So less like rules for living yeah. 
and more like this is, these are the qualities that a uh, a righteous or virtuous person would have. You know, when I hear that, I think two things. One is uh, this is this is not typically how we think about what's right and wrong, right? right. We don't use the word excellency, uh, right. uh, at least not in that context. Um, but even among Christians, I would say it's almost uh, maybe even more the case among Christians, right? Like we want to define something as like sin or righteousness, like white or black there. Right. And right. the virtue framework, like it can do that, but that's not the only thing it does, Right. Right. So like our temptation might be to say that like the Ten Commandments are all that there is to say. Yeah. Right. That the, the, lo- the law codified in the Old Testament and then picked up in the New Testament is all there is to say about morality. Right. Well, there's some truth to that. Like th- those are the roots of, of our morality as Christians. But, but for instance, what about, say, uh, gun use? What about, um, well, I, I, I'm drawing a blank on other moral ca- quandaries that we have, like driving a car. Should I drive, should a woman drive a car, right, to be uh, extra provocative? Maybe, maybe not the most <laughs> contemporary. I think we're getting Well, back I was to, thinking of like ni- Saudi Arabia, right? Back They've 19, got, back Saudi Arabia has a law that women can't, can't drive cars, yeah. right? Um, well, Scripture doesn't have like a set of, a set of commandments to help us with that particular moral quandary. But we could point to something like a virtue, like say justice, which is concerned with fairness and giving people their, their due. Uh, And we could apply that to the issue of women driving and say, well, maybe that's not the most just thing. Maybe women should be allowed afforded that same right as anyone else uh, by virtue of their sharing in humanity. Um, maybe well, a little bit more provocative than I needed to be. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to move <laughs> off the topic of <laughs> women driving as fast as possible here. I'm pro-women driving. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, let, let's just you know, push this toward the news then. Um, you know, uh, if we want to think about what's... R- sometimes if we think about what's right or wrong, it's like uh, either A, with, with something like the news, it would be like, if we, we if we only go in black and white categories, then either we end up demonizing like a large swath of people or possibly at the same time, there's a huge amount of things that are simply good without any kind of degree of goodness mm-hmm. in there or mm-hmm. something like that. So what I like about this virtue framework is that it's 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 part of a long term vision for who who God wants me to be like at the end of my life, right? Not just like, how can I make the right decision now? Right. But how does my decision now lead toward what God wants me to be? Right. So for Christians, we would say that our end goal, our purpose is seeing God face to face. And we would say that, that Scripture talks about that um, all over the place. And that, that the goal of discipleship is to be made ready to see God face to face. We are to be made into the image and likeness of Christ. Uh, and the virtues help us develop that character, that Christ-like image. And I think it's important to note that while on the one hand we want to say that, um, well, it's important to say that the virtues find themselves in Scripture too. Uh, not only what we call the, the, the cardinal virtues, um, things that we inherited, names we inherited from 
um, our Western ancestors, um, which Ambrose, uh, one of the great theologians, saw in the Old Testament patriarchs. So he said, look, they're already here. Uh, But St. Paul gives us three what we call theological virtues, uh, namely faith, hope, and love. And the church has understood those to be distinctly Christian virtues that give shape to uh, the virtues that we inherit um, from our Western predecessors. And that those three virtues, faith, hope, and love, uh, specifically aim us at God yeah, and friendship with God. So I, this is, I think this is great. So let's just dive into this here as we, as we think about some of these issues about how we in our lives can be moving toward, and there's a couple of ways to put this, uh, human flourishing, uh, what uh, St. Thomas Aquinas might have said, the beatific vision of yeah. God, uh, or the Westminster Catechism would have said, um, to, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Uh, d- some different, right. different kind of frameworks of an, of an end that we're moving toward, right? Yeah, er, er, what did St. Irenaeus say? That, that, that God is most glorified and man mm-hmm. fully alive, yeah. and man is most fully alive when he glorifies right. God, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so we've got four what are called cardinal virtues, and these are things that, at least on the n- the name of them, are things that like if you weren't a Christian, you sh- you should pro- you could probably still recognize that these are good things, though we have a kind of Christian inflection of them also what they're right. aiming towards. So we're going to go to the four these four first, which are which are prudence, courage, temperance, and justice, and then we'll do the three like inherently Christian ones there, uh, faith, hope, and love. And apply this to the news. So first, we have the virtue of prudence. Uh, prudence is like it's a it's a very English word, and so there's a lot of ways to put this. Sometimes practical wisdom is the way of putting it, and prudence is basically like uh, doing the right thing at the right time. So if you could take any other virtue, something that's good, but if you don't do it at the right time or in the right way. Uh, you know, it's it's like reading a situation. This is very soft, right? It's like, how do you become a prudent? How do you how do you do something prudently? Well, it really takes like a, a long term path of just becoming a wise person, right? right? And so, if we're going to read the news wisely, uh, we need prudence to do so. Do you want to say something else about prudence, Andrew? Yeah, well, I would say that's so. Prudence is sort of two sided. Um, on the one side, it's the, the, the practical wisdom, uh, the application of wisdom and virtue. Uh, but the other side of it is also um, what we might call theoretical wisdom, uh, a, basically a, a love for the truth. Sure. Um, and th- those two things go together. So in, in especially the ancient mind, the- theoretical wisdom um, would have been like a science and practical wisdom would be uh, more like an art. Hence, like something like the liberal arts, where we are taking um, knowledge and we are applying it in a particular, a particular way. So, uh, prudence then for well, we'll we'll get to that, I, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. So, some questions that I think of when I when I when I you know when I open up my web browser and uh, you know it shows me like. 30 different things on there of articles that it wants me to click on to various ones are news related. You know, some questions that I have that are issues of prudence are like, wh- what's the right news? You know, there's, there's a lot of things yeah. on here. Yeah. Which ones should I select? You know, some of that's like, what's the best use of my time? 
but that's also it's also like what's the best use of my um like my concern like what should i be concerned we talked about that a lot last episode right like what should i really be concerned about um uh, when, when is it the right time for that concern right like there, there's just there's a million things that you can rightly be concerned about how about for you and for our culture right now what should we be focusing on like those are prudential questions that yes. we have to ask as we come to the news yeah oh well, and prudence could be bound up also with uh what medium i'm consuming sure um, and being mindful that uh, the medium, and by medium I mean things like uh, TV's a medium, yeah. uh, the internet's a medium, yeah. written newspapers, those are all medium. It's how the news gets to us. Right. Uh, and those things have an effect on us in themselves. If I spend too much time on the internet, for instance, uh, it's been shown that it that rewires our brains in, in ways. It affects our attention span. So would it be wise for me to spend all day Saturday immersing myself in chasing all these right. news stories? Right. Uh, is that a, a, a prudent use of my time? Is that a prudent use of my body? Is that a prudent use of... Um, so some of those questions are, are bound up. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. I think about like what's, what's the right news for me to look for, some of what we sure. talked about last week, and I know that you're concerned about this one, Andrew, is... yeah. Wh- what is what's the right news for me and to be honest that's not the same thing as what's the right news for someone in saudi arabia who might have a pressing yes. question about women drivers right. that's uh, <laughs> not super critical for me to spend a lot of time on um yeah uh f- for us we have certain local aspects that uh, that we have to make decisions about which news sources and stories we're following right right well i think that goes back to the idea of prudence as uh practical wisdom right right which implies something of a worked outness like uh i can put my hand to this thing there's there's a problem here that needs to be solved yeah Uh, if i immerse myself so much in say the national news yeah i might get a sense of either one i can do more than i actually think i can about a problem that's happening in say uh in south dakota or something right where here in new york that would be very hard for me to have some practical thing about that or I could end up feeling like there's nothing I can do at all. It's hopeless. Why yeah. even bother? Right. Uh, so, so those like two extremes, right? And that virtue is about finding the middle ground. Well, one way to find the v- middle ground would be to, to like consume more local media where there is in, in a local instance of there might actually be something I can do. Some work I can put my hands to, to help solve a problem in my community. Um, you know, yes, I, we, we think of that. I, we asked the question last time, like, what is the news for, you know? Um, and I think that that really gets into it yeah. uh, because there are, there's so much, there's so much that happens that's reported on so that we will pay money or be subject ourselves to advertising. Right. I, 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 I check sports news pretty frequently, you know, uh, but that's really a different category than a lot of the news we're talking about here. Yes. Right. I, I like sports stuff, but to be honest, the fact that there's been no sports the last four months <laughs> has not really impacted my life, right? right you know, it's not that right. it's not important. It's just something I like, you know, uh, and that's uh, something we have to think but about. Perhaps for you, but I think for um, for some people, there, there's a resonance between, like, say, sports news and and other news, in so far as it can help shape identity, like right. you mentioned sure. before, where um, I'm either you're either A or you're you're B. Well, in sports, we find that too, right? Like you are a Bills fan or you are not sure, a Bills fan. Right. There are two, two kinds of people in this world. 
Bills fans and non-Bills fans. Well, in the same way, like reading the national news or even local news or whatever, we can lump ourselves into one category right. and everybody else in the other I mean, the prudential judgment is that it is legitimate to say the other 31 NFL teams are not worth following. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas <laughs> in the news, in the news, we'll get to fairness later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next one is courage or sometimes called fortitude. And in fact, the, the Greek word that was sometimes used for this is sort of like manliness. Um, obviously, we might not use that word uh, the same way today, um, but this sort of uh, ability to step up to, to do what you know is right to do. Like, right, it's, it's right. not enough to like take an ethics class and know what a person ought to do. Like you yourself have to have the courage to do what's right. Do you want to say something else about courage? Well, yeah, and not just the courage to do what is right, but the courage to do what is right when it may cost you. Yeah, 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 right. Right, right. Uh, it doesn't necessarily take a lot of courage for me. Um, well, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on an example. But there are some things that, don't, that, that doing the right thing doesn't take a lot of courage for me to do. Like, say, loving my wife. Yeah. Loving my wife is the right thing for me to do. That doesn't usually take a lot of courage for me to do. But there are other things that would take a lot of courage for me to do. Um, to stand up for some... Uh, for some marginalized person sure. group against uh, a, a more powerful group, right? We might say like to speak power, to st speak truth to power. That might take an amount of courage because I might receive some sort of pushback, some sort of backlash against that. So even when it might, the, the example we use with my kids, um, it, sometimes it takes courage to tell the truth. Because telling the truth might make you vulnerable to some other form of discipline, right? You've done something that you ought not to have done. Um, the right thing to do is to confess that. And it may take courage for you to confess that because you, you know that there's going to be some discipline associated with that. With respect to the news, I can think of a couple of ways that this has bearing on. One is if we've been prudential about caring about news that we should care about for our lives, um, local, national issues that we should be concerned about, then, um, then sometimes we need to act on that news. And that, that may have to do with voting, although voting is private in a sense, but it may have to do with advocacy, uh, it may have to do with uh, contacting a state representative, it may have to, whatever, uh, various things that we might have to do. So there's right. acting on news, which hopefully, and that's what we don't do enough of, but if we've been potential, hopefully, there should be some acting that we do. Uh, we hear yes. about a problem in our community and it's gonna take something potentially to step up to that. The second way I think it plays in is um, many of us become siloed as far as kind of our news categories, our ideological categories, uh, shibboleth, which is like what you're allowed to say, you know? Yes. Um, you know, some people feel like they can't cite a study that ha might imply something conservative, or some people might think they can't refer to an article that advocates more justice-related action or something like that. And, um, and, and sometimes it, it just, it does take some more courage to really dig deep into a perspective that you're, that's not your thing, uh, that your people wouldn't uh, approve of as much, you know? Right. Uh, because news is frequently something we discuss with each other, right? It's not typically private. It's, it's often something we 
talk with each other about, which is great and it's fine, you know, um, but that becomes something that is difficult, right? Yeah, and I think you highlight something interesting there too, and that's the interconnectivity between the virtues. Yeah. So, right, Right. you're highlighting, say, like the prudential love for truth, right? Which is that flip side of that, that virtue, the love for truth. Yeah. Well, if I have a love for truth, then I should want, no matter what side of the aisle it's coming from, I should recognize it and be willing to accept it as such, but then perhaps to share it with other people and say, look, this this is worth reading. The courage comes and is related to that when it might cost me something, uh, whether real or perceived, it might cost me something to share that truth with somebody. Um, So you get that interconnectivity between prudence and courage, right? Yeah, I I think that's kind of neat. That's good. Uh, next one is number th- one, number three out of the four, kind of the first four cardinal virtues. The next one, um, it's it's often called temperance. So that's the typical word we use here. That might be confusing because we don't use that word a lot now. It's not, or if we use it, it's not always in the same way. Uh, but temperance has something to do with its self restraint, or um, so it's it's not necessarily like um, l- like you never do what you want to do, or like you're always fasting or you know whipping yourself or something it's not that but it it is a a moderation of your appetites right having some some control so that you're not you're not being controlled by your feelings in the moment all the time what do you want to say about that andrew well yeah and and temperance um temperance keeps us from abusing things and people right yeah Uh, if my um if my desires are out of control, uh, then I can be tempted to abuse my neighbor for the sake of fulfilling my own desire. Yeah. Uh, and that would be uh, a vice. I, I'm tempted. Well, uh, that, that's getting in deeper waters than I, I want to. In, in many ways, uh, you know, this, this feels to me like one of the most important, at least of the cardinal virtues when we're talking about news, because so much of news is designed to get us riled up. Yeah. Because, and, and, there, and you know, there are some interesting studies on this that, um, you know, there, there are emotions that make us more likely to click on things. And some of them are uh, simply negative, like feeling uh, depression or loneliness. But one of, one of the emotions that helps people, that gets the most clicks is anger. Uh, because it's such a positive, compelling force. Uh, and so there's like, there's anger news reading. Like you, you click on something simply because, like you know it's going to make you angry, right? And, uh, but, but that's what compels you toward it. Um, I, I was reading an article the other day and I had to catch myself. And it was, you know, it was, it was about, um, it, it, was, it was related to how um, kind of r- racial issues recently have caused a lot of corporations to like change their wording and their packaging on things. And, uh, and there are, you know, there are different issues of what's going on there. I don't want to make any broad judgments, but it, it was about Trader Joe's and uh, Trader Joe, they were going to change, um, change some of their brand names that they felt were overly, um, they said they were racist brand names, which I, I didn't really agree with. So one of them is uh, the Trader Jose's is one of oh, their yeah. brand names. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're going to cut that off now. Uh, the coffee is not going to be Arabian Joe's anymore because uh, they felt. Anyway, so I, I started to read it and I was like, 
this is this is dumb like those are just like you know it just ref- <laughs> it's just a reference to the culture it, that's all it then i, I caught myself I'm like who care i don't i don't really care if they do that i'm gonna buy the product whether i like it or not whatever you know like there there are other ways to uh, approach these issues culturally but i was like you know what i I don't need to read this article, you know, it's <laughs> not too important for me right now. I can, I can find something else that I could focus my judgment on for, for a little bit, which is tough because, um, our emotions are like, we are emotional and, and it, it, it's right for us to get upset at injustice or, or someone not pursuing truth. Right. Um, but, but we do need to be in, we need to realize those emotions and have, have some, some temperance, some control over them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also I would argue some prudence again, to go back because what we need to recognize is that while those, uh, emotions might be justified, we, we are also being manipulated. Yeah, we are. And we are being manipulated so that somebody can take advantage of our desires and sell us something. Right. Right. These aren't neutral things that are happening. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, and that, that's that's like direct. Right. When you say we are being manipulated, I, I, I'm cautious against overstating things. Yeah. But that is not overstating things. Right. No, yeah. no, no. All these news outsources sources are themselves businesses. Yeah. Right. So they want to get us to reading their news. Mm-hmm. So they're going to craft that to to fit who they want to read their news. But on top of that, especially online, they make their money through selling advertisements. Right. And those, the people who are selling the advertise or buying the advertisements, they want you to go to their sites. So like all the way around, it's like this, yeah. they want your money. <laughs> right. Two, two ways that I think this comes into play with, with news pretty clearly. One is what to share, uh, right? So I, w- I would say more or less, uh, Facebook has become uh, a garbage fire, right? Uh, it's it's it because 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 people feel this as soon as as soon as they they read something they get fired up about, they share it because you feel like you've got to say something, right? And and that generates just more of this like terrible like, you know, people are ju- just getting fired up at each other, and we're sort of the way it works with social media is that we're just shouting into a void, um, hoping that someone you know, thinking that our 900 friends are hearing us, uh, when in fact, yeah, yeah. As though you can persuade somebody in 120 <laughs> characters. Right, right, right. Uh, so th- there's number one is just like being prudential, like in what to, sh- because we're getting so riled up with that Two, And this is more important. Um, personally, I, I've done this over the last maybe six months. I take a couple of days a week in which I specifically do not, um, access the news. So Wednesdays and Fridays for me uh, are specific. I, I, I don't check the news, don't do anything with Facebook. I try to be more disciplined in how often I'm checking my email. Yeah, that's wise. Um, and, you know, like, and, and overall, I tip, Saturday is my Sabbath because I'm a pastor. So I, I, t- I try not to really much on that day either. And, you know, there's a compulsion to do those things when I pick up my phone or whatever. But, you know, you, you get to the next day's news and you realize, like, I, I didn't miss anything. Right? <laughs> oh, uh, wait, the same. They're talking about the same stuff they were talking about five days ago. Right, right. And I think there's a general rule there before. And we've talked about this on a past episode. Just the the wisdom in in developing temperance and in, in fasting from uh, from devices in general. Right. And technology yeah, right. in general. And the the reality is that in our context, most people get their news through some sort of device, right? Yeah. 
Most of us get it on our phone or on our computer uh, or even on the TV. You know, print, print news is dying. It's a, it's a dying thing, sadly. But, um, so that means that most of us are getting it through the Internet or through. So just as a general rule, it's good for us to fast technology. Um, but specifically, it's good for us to fast the news for the yeah. sake of developing temperance, de developing self-control, mm -hmm. not being taken over by um, a particular idol that can distract us from reality. Because you know, the news has become this 24-hour cycle. Right. But the fact is, there's not 24 hours of news that's worthwhile. Uh, th yeah. There's a lot of important stuff out there, but the most important stuff typically does not run on a 24-hour cycle. And so you got to find ways to get out of that somehow. Right. In part because a lot of the news worth knowing is local. Yeah. Uh, but also because they have to fill space. So the, the news story that should take about maybe half an hour to right. tell us about then gets rehashed over and sure. over, pontificated about, uh, you know, for the next 24-hour cycle. And then probably again the next day, you know, and there's, yeah, it's just, it's noise at some point. Our next virtue, the last of the cardinal virtues, is uh, it could be called justice or possibly fairness. Um, and in some way, you could, this may be, this might mean be like the most obvious application, right? Because almost most people will say that uh, news ought to be fair. Um, there ought to be fairness. Um, there, there should be some, some level of, of justice in how we're handling the news that we read. Uh, we ought to read critically, things like that. Um, and, and I feel like I hear this actually quite a bit uh, around, even though it seems like this is absolutely not what's happening, right? Right. So how do justice and fairness relate to consuming the news? Well, I think, uh, one, we have to recognize that that particular virtue may not be present always in the news sources themselves. Sure, right. Uh, so then it becomes important for us to demonstrate um, or to practice that particular virtue. Right. Um, and one, I think one way we do that is we are concerned about things in the news, the stories in the, the news that are concerned about justice right. and fairness as being worthwhile. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I think that means that we have to strive for that in ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So recognizing that, uh, like, like Matt Tybee says, that, that the news is wanting to silo us into particular camps, right? Because right. that's how they make their money. So what knowing that, then in an effort to strike, f to be fair to a particular story or event, maybe I need to go read the other side. Right. Maybe I don't take, just take for granted the, my particular silo's perspective and recognize that that's what I'm getting as a perspective. And I need to go see what else is, is happening on, on the, in the other perspective. I think what was interesting, one, Tybee acknowledged like the news is wanting to get us into silos, but what he pointed out is it's, that that doesn't mean that one camp is uh, necessarily giving us false information. Sure, yeah. That both camps are, are, um, are giving us truth. Sure, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? But the question is, are they giving us the whole truth? Right. And are they giving us the truth without spin and opinion? Mm-hmm. 
what things are they leaving out? Mm-hmm. What things are they, um, you know, statistics can't, there's a sense in which a statistic is objective, but there's also a sense in which statistics are subjective. They can be ma- made to say um, different things. So how is that statistic in, in one silo being applied versus how that's being applied in, in the other silo? And how do I distinguish between the two using prudence and using um, those other things? Well, we should take a break now. We're about halfway through. And when we come back, we'll be talking about the theological virtues, and then we'll get into talking about new sources also. We'll try to get through that in a timely manner. And uh, yeah, so let's take a break here. We're going to listen to a little bit more music from Mr. James Kibbe. You're listening to Devices and Desires, and we're talking about... You are listening to Devices and Desires, finding a sacred world in a secular age. Like and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash devices and desires. Welcome back to Devices and Desires. I'm Father Brian Wandell. Father Andrew Tebow is with me. I'm at Church of the Atonement in Buffalo, New York. Um, Andrew is at... St. Bartholomew's Anglican Church in Tonawanda, New York. Uh, We are talking about the news in our culture and how we deal with that. Uh, Devices and Desires, this is a podcast where we're seeking a sacred world in a secular age. Uh, Please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this through. Share it uh, around, uh, let people know what's going on. Uh, Send, uh, write some notes uh, in the comment section um, that we have here. Uh, Let us know know what you think about this episode, how you're processing the news in your life as you live out uh, a life uh, that Christ has called you to within this secular world that we're living in. So for the first half, we talked about uh, the way that virtues help us uh, t- to live toward God, even as we do things like process the news in our lives. The, the second half of that is to talk about uh, not just kind of general virtues that people might recognize, but the specifically Christian, they're sometimes called theological virtues, which uh, we just get from 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love. Um, why, why are these, you know, are these like just being added on as three more, Andrew? Um, h- how did these get to be part of the mix? That's a good question. Um, so we inherit the four virtues that we just talked about from uh, the pre-Christian West. We, we mentioned that already. But what, and it was aimed at a, a goal or a purpose. What Christian thinkers noticed was that these four particular virtues, while good and and got us on the way, they couldn't get us all the way. Yeah, All the way being friendship with God, union with Christ. There are different ways that we can talk about, talk about that. The end goal, though, being God himself, right? Uh, as Christians, we know that that can't happen without faith. We need faith to believe and trust in, in God, um, the God of Israel revealed in Jesus Christ, right? Um, that can't happen without hope. Hope for um, the things promised in, in God and fulfilled in Christ. But I have to have faith or hope uh, for those things. And ultimately, I cannot have friendship with God without loving God, 
right? So there's, uh, and really, um, I can't have faith or hope without love. Love is, uh, Augustine says that love is the, the foremost. And actually, Paul says that too, right? right? If I don't have love, I don't have anything. Um, and that is rooted in God's, um, God's character. So the, the theological virtues, faith, hope, and love, are meant to get us the rest of the way, get us to God himself. Yeah. So in a sense, then, um, faith, hope, and love complete the virtues and in a way govern, um, govern prudence, govern courage, govern temperance, govern justice. All these things then are shaped by our faith, hope, and love. So the first, the first one there is faith. And obviously that's a defining characteristic of Christian religion, of being one in Christ. Um, I, I think it would be easy to use faith and apply this to the news and think, uh, think of A, maybe just how godless everything is and how terrible it is. Uh, which is which is true, actually, uh, for the most part. But, <laughs> Hence our podcast. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, but there there still are ways that we need to be concerned about it. We don't throw it out simply because it's it does it's not like obviously of faith or about faith or something like that, right? Oh, sure. Um, you know, <laughs> pro- probably the worst way to apply faith to uh, the news would be. Uh, focusing on religious news, right? Like there are, there are websites of religious news and every once in a while, I feel like, you know, I feel like I've got to keep up to some degree with what kind of what's happening out there with religious stuff at professionally, right? As in a pastoral position. Uh, but it's very quickly. I'm just like, why this has, this, this has like nothing to do with actually being a Christian, right? Reading religious news, uh, you know, which which blogger said this or uh, that kind of thing. It's, it's, it very quickly becomes inane. And can also be just as tribal as, uh, as other news. Right. Maybe simply what we could say simply is that, um, that, that our, our faith, uh, draws us into Christ. Uh, and so, because of that, we, we simply, because of our faith, we are coming at the news from a different identity, uh, a different perspective. Um, right. I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, but you know, like I, the, the ways that news drives our identity is, is totally, totally the opposite of, of what it should be uh, as far as our identity in Christ as, as we come to him by faith. The, the next one is hope. Um, Hope is uh, hope is a, a tough one sometimes because it's easy to know that it's good or to talk. Ab- we could yeah. we could sit, say something about it in Christian terms, define exactly what hope is. Sometimes we uh, are a little slippery on that. Uh, Andrew, do you want to say anything about hope? Oh sure, thanks. Yeah, uh, it's important. We need it. <laughs> so it's tip- good. Tip- no, uh, well, yeah. Paul t- Paul defines it for us right as uh, hope in the thing that is unseen. Right. Yes. We don't hope for the thing which we see. We hope for that thing which is unseen. Um, one of the things that we hope for is our ultimate, fulfilling our ultimate purpose in being united in God. Yeah. We hope for Christ making all things new yeah. again. Right. So usually um, in the New Testament, hope refers to like the hope of the resurrection of the dead, something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. Right. The fulfillment of Christ's mission yeah. on earth. Th- that, that, like we hope for that. So when we go and we read the news and it's like the world has blown up, yeah. um, we don't lose hope. Mm-hmm. We, we remember Christ is still on the throne. Yeah. 
we remember that he is making all things new. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not look like that now, but Paul would say, well, then, duh, you don't need hope. Right. It, what, what hope gets us through that. And I, I think that hope, while he, hope is future oriented, it really gives us perspective on what's going on now also. Right. Yeah. So um, hope is not something where we say, like, you know, to hell with this world. We've got a better one coming. Right. Uh, that would actually, I think, not be hope. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> right, but like there, there's, we have, because we have hope that God is, he, we, we have hope that God will do something in the future. Uh, and that's because we have hope that he's doing something now that will lead to fulfillment. And right. so because of that hope, we know that something, we can't see it. Just like all those parables, uh, I was getting ready for a sermon this Sunday, and it's, it's like all the parables on the hiddenness and the mystery of the kingdom, how the, how the kingdom is like, it's like it's being covered over and it will eventually right. come to fruition. And so there is something happening now. There's a quote that I want to read here. This is from G.K. Chesterton, and, uh, and he writes about how hope gives him a different perspective on what the world is now that we're living in. And, he, and he's looking at simply like the monotony of things around him, which for most people seem just like blase nothing. And th- it reminds me a lot of St. Francis as I read this actually, but he says, it might be true that the sun rises regularly because he never gets tired of rising. His routine might be due not to lifelessness, but to a rush of life. The thing I mean can be seen, for instance, in children when they find some game or joke that they specially enjoy. They always say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. <laughs> For grown-up people are not strong enough to exult in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exult in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes every daisy alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but he never got tired of making them. And that, like that, that to me is when we think of the hope of what God will do in the world because of how he loves this world, he loves yeah. us, yeah. Uh, that just it, it like opens up the world around us. Um, and and bring that to anything in the world, but especially the news, right? Uh, we we read about cataclysms and disasters. The, wor- the world is framed for us in a certain way through the news, right? Yeah. But the, the ultimate framing device should be our hope in the kind of world which we can't, uh, we can't just name by like, uh, you know, th- this happened, then this happened, uh, but somehow being able to see God in that, you know, God... God rising the sun every day, God making every daisy alike is, is part of God's definition of the reality that the news is giving also s- some perspective on. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's great. Uh, I would also add, going back to like the connectedness of yeah. the virtues, hope gives us the space to be courageous. Right. right? Hope gives us the, the ability to face the cost. If I have a, a, a hope in what Christ is, has done for me and will do for me, um, then I can stand in the face of the lion. I mean, to think of the, the early martyrs who, who face a terrific death with the hope that they would receive the kingdom of God. Yeah. 
All right, third theological virtue and the apex of them is love. Love. Uh, love is what we are aiming toward. Love is the crown upon all of the virtues, the crown upon all of Christian life, uh, the summation of it all. Um, Andrew, what can you tell us about love? Well, you, you well put, Brian, well put. Um, Augustine would, w- w- noticing that it is like sort of the apex um, because of who God is himself. God is love, right? Um, so everything's sort of shaped by love. We were created as loving creatures. And so love then becomes the thing that, that dr- spurs us on towards our final destination in God. Um, so Augustine then said that, that love was the thing that gave the, gives all other virtues their shape. Hmm. Right? So he takes the four cardinal virtues, prudence, courage, temperance, and justice, and, and he says, yeah, those are good but they're perfected in love. They're made complete in love. So this is what he says. I I think this is a great quote from Augustine. Um, If you indulge me, he says, uh, so we may express the definition, he's talking about the four cardinals this way, that temperance is love keeping itself entire and incorrupt for God. So it's self-control towards God. Fortitude, or what we might call courage, is love bearing everything readily for the sake of God. Justice or fairness is love serving God only and therefore ruling well all else as subject to man. So Augustine notices that justice is by loving God first, I'm able then to love my neighbor well. And I'm then able to, to rule or order the world according to love of God. So love shapes. Finally, prudence or wisdom is love making a right distinction between what helps it towards God and what might hinder it towards God. So Augustine would say, to go back to our conversation of wisdom just a moment ago of prudence, love shapes that by helping me understand which news I should read, by what news might help direct me towards God and my neighbor, Hmm. and what news drives a wedge there. What, what news actually is wanting me to hate my neighbor? Mm-hmm. And how do I guard against that? Yeah, or like, can you, you know, you, you think of, you know, Jesus telling the, you know, the parable of um, feeding and clothing those in need and in prison, right? Uh, and he said, you know, he says, you know, um, you know, the, the disciples, you know, like, when, when did we not feed you? When did we not, you know, clothe yeah, you? And, right. and it, when you did when you didn't do it to the least of these, right? And uh, you can just, you can imagine, you can imagine yourself on, on judgment day uh, and, and the Lord asking you uh, or your neighbor asking you like, what, you know, what information did you really care about? You know, uh, right. or, or could, you, could you imagine a situation uh, two years from now in which you were so hyped up about a political issue that all your friends were hyped up about uh, but then you, you talk to your neighbor and there's something that directly affects their lives. Uh, maybe uh, because of something that happened, they, they can't make their, their mortgage payments or they have to leave the country or all kinds of different things that might happen to them. And you're like, I never really cared about that issue. You right. know? <laughs> and like that, that's, that's, that has to do with love. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. 
Andrew, do you want to say anything else as we wrap up on uh, naming the specific virtues here? I look forward to having further conversation about the virtues. Yeah. Uh, I encourage all of our readers to, to get a little bit um, more, more into it as they're able. Yeah, good. So let's, uh, let's finish up here by talking, you know, we're going to get our beaks wet and really get into, uh, into the lake of specific news sources. So uh, I, I want to talk about uh, how, how we're getting the news. Obviously, neither Andrew my, or myself are like total experts in this. Um, you can, you can find, you, many of you will not hear us talk about things that you love. Uh, you'll hear us say something about um, some things that, Anyway, we'll get, into, we'll get into some things here just to talk about our own practices as we're trying to live out the virtues with respect to news. And, I, and I've got to say, before we get into this, um, you know, we talked about justice or fairness, and that's, that's really important as far as we'll talk about like balancing sources and that kind of thing, which is, which is great and important. Um, and it, it's important to, to balance that, uh, not just so that you can like hear someone else's side, but because of this issue of identity that we've talked about. I've got to say, for many pastors, this has been really difficult to see our congregations take up things in the news as markers of their identity, much more so than their Christian identity. And so many Absolutely. of us have seen our congregations become divided in ways that are not tied into the root of the gospel. Yeah. And it's, it's so hard for us as pastors to see this. And so when we talk about things like fairness or, or balance, uh, like, like there, there are important issues out there that we should get fired up about. This is not to say that like uh, right and left are equally right and wrong about X issue or something like that. Uh, but this, that's simply to say that we're working, as you work through the news, we're working through this practically and it, and it should not be your primary identity marker. Um, absolutely not. Uh, for, for those of us who profess to be Christians, our absolute identity marker is Christ and yeah. our place in his body. Yeah. Um, and that should be the lens then that we are reading the news through. Um, and that should relativize all other identity markers. Right. So first thing here, um, most of us, many people now get a fair bit of their news through social media. Uh, and this, uh, whatever platforms, Facebook or Twitter, um, this is very different. I think we talked about this somewhat in the last episode, uh, right? Uh, that this skews the news that we get to a, a decent amount with algorithms, things like that. Um, how, how, do you, how do you think this, this how, how, how can we deal with this, Andrew, uh, that a lot of our news comes from uh, our friends or algorithms that are, are pushing us in a certain direction? Get off Twitter, <laughs> get off Facebook. Right, right. <laughs> so well, so I have to admit, I, I'm biased in that way. Yeah. I, uh, I don't get on Twitter and I don't get on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, and in part because... I find them to be mostly manipulative and yeah. echo chambers. Yeah. Um, that aside, th there, there can be some usefulness and some, some goodness in, in both of them. I think one of the things is just being aware that it's happening, mm -hmm. right? Be aware that you're not seeing these things that you see on random, right? Uh, they are, they being Twitter and Facebook and other so social media sites, they have algorithms that are literally, designed to manipulate your desires because you like one article that gets you fired up about something you're gonna get fed a whole lot more right. of similar things because they make money that way on right. the things that you click on and that's what they want they're not they don't have your best interest in mind they have money in mind and so they they want you to do those things 
um, get off Twitter. Like, and I don't mean that like um, forswear Twitter, but I mean like, like actually get, go to a different website, go to a different news outlet and see what's actually there. Sure. Um, would be one, yeah. uh, one step. The other step is check URLs. Um, some of the things that you come across on Twitter and Facebook are not legitimate news sources. They are, they're crazy people. Right. Um, if I can say that. So check the, your, your URLs, see who's, who's posting this thing. Is it like, yeah. You know, I, I, I go back and forth on this a little bit because I, I certainly recognize that as true, the ways that you're, you're only getting a limited perspective, especially through things that like your friends share. Uh, though I will say there are also a lot of things that I get because of social media that I wouldn't have got on my own. So I, I, there's, just, there's a lot of news things that I don't check myself that I have yeah. friends who do check. And so they, they do share various things that I wouldn't have come across actually. So I, I, I have not completely discarded those things because uh, I, there, there's, there's quite a bit that has actually broadened some of my perspective. Um, I, I don't know, maybe that's ne not necessarily everyone's experience. Um, yeah, it depends on who your friends with, I guess. Uh, yeah, maybe. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So have a broad range of friends. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> okay. Uh, some general and mainstream sources. These are just. The, I'm just going to name some of the things that I check like all the time. Sure. <laughs> uh, and maybe and these are not necessarily good. This is just what I do. Uh, Washington Post. I check every day. This is in part because I lived in Washington for nine years, and so it was the local news there. Uh, but I still do. Um, New York Times, uh, Wall Street Journal, uh, locally. Locally, to be honest, uh, Buffalo News is pretty much it around here. You know, there are a few other things, um, WKBW, WIVB. Oh, was it the Kenton B? Like, I mean, is that not? <laughs> there, like there, are, there are some, <laughs> Jimmy, uh, <laughs> any, any plug for the Kenton B? Um, there, there are things in there. Uh, there's not as much happening on some of those. Um, it's worth noting that many of those are paid content now. So there are paywalls inside a lot of general news sources. And I try to avoid those as much as I can. <laughs> but to be honest, um, to be honest, people like myself need to swallow the fact that we ought to be paying for some news um, to, because, well, I don't know. In some way, it's just what you need to do. Uh, if you get all your stuff free, um, you limit your sources in that sense. Um, so there, there are some more options in there. And something that has, something like Washington Post has so much in it um, that there are some more things to know. I certainly, er, let me, so I'll say also internationally, uh, like bbc.com, uh, something like that, uh, get some sense of what's happening around the world better. Um, I, I, I certainly recognize that whenever, especially when we talk about these sort of general kind of mainstream type sources, uh, there's bias in, in all of these, right? Yep. And, I could, and I could continue, and when I say mainstream, I'm including the con more conservative sources on that. Uh, Fox News, The Drudge Report, uh, Breitbart, um, The Blaze, uh, those kind of things. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm including all of those when I say mainstream because I'm saying general news sources. Uh, some of them, I would say there is a difference. Some of them present themselves or try for them somewhat to be fair, though they still have a perspective. Others are fairly blatantly pushing a perspective. I do think there's some difference there, right? You know, does the AP or Reuters, do they have a perspective? 
Yes, though they are, to be honest, at the very least, they are primary news sources. They have reporters in the field and that kind of thing. Right. Whereas some other sources are just commenting on what those stories right. are putting out there. So I, I see a necessity to try to gather some different different perspectives. There. Yeah, and I think that points out to something that shifted in um, in recent journalism, and that is like uh, the waning, the the decline of investigative journalism. Yeah, right. Um, because of, in part because of the cost. Uh -huh. um, so like many of the major news sources aren't doing that. Yeah. So a, uh, a, a website that I that I like um, that's actually fairly balanced, at least in the voices that are on it. Um, maybe not each story that's on it, um, but in terms of the different voices that are there uh, is. Uh, what is it? Oh man, now all of a sudden it, it uh, real clear, real clear jur journalism. Okay. Real clear. There's real clear po politics, but there's also real clear world. Real cl there's a lot. Real, real clear investigation. Okay. Oh man, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know. I just start <laughs> typing real clear. And it comes in, in on my, my, uh, there's an interesting one called allsides.com and it's, it's an aggregator. And so what they do is they'll list news from the left and then it has sources on the left and it has their like five stories for the day. Yeah. And then it has news from the center and lists three and then news from the right. And then it'll just have a whole bunch of stuff and it'll sort of rank them as like further left, slightly left, center. Oh, that's interesting. So, so they're, they're trying to make explicit the bias they see in yeah. there. I, I would say the negative of that is that it sort of gives a sense that, again, it, it's not exactly true that like, um, I don't know, left and right on some issue are like one, you know, one is just doing the same thing as the other side is doing. Except that's, on the opposite. That, that's not that's not always the case. Right. Uh, they have different agendas. They're do, working through these in different ways. Um, there's a certain moral nihilism to saying that, to saying like, oh, all sides are just, you know, messing up in their own way. Um, but it, it's at least helpful to get some other perspective in there as a news aggregator. Yes. Yeah. Can I just throw something at you guys real quick? Um, maybe no. you guys. No. Okay. Thanks. All right. <laughs> um, just real quick, because on that point, do you guys feel that it's a good idea for people that maybe are far, like tend to be on the more conservative or far right to not be so um, biased towards news that might they might deem on the left, but be willing to consider that perspective uh, when considering these issues? So I think it's true for both sides. Absolutely. I don't want to single out um, one side of the aisle, aisle over and against the other. The, the, I, 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 meant, I, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I honestly mean both sides, but I just use that because he was just mentioning, I, I don't know. I so just let me put some cards on the right. table here. You know, Maybe because of people I know that are, tend to be more on the far right. I, I've, I've, I've regularly checked the Drudge Report in the past, and after a while I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and that's the most popular news aggregator out there. So I'm sure I'm offending someone, uh, but it just, it felt just too, too much of an agenda in what he was, what Matt Drudge puts out there. Um, I, I would say I feel that way about the New York times. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, New York times has, has some conservative writers though. Also, uh, they have conservative opinion. opinion writers. That's true. They don't yeah. have any, and then they yeah. also do things like the, well, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to, and uh, yeah, their editorial department's been a mess recently with some of those um, controversies. Yeah, and even in the opinion piece, uh, one of their recent editors was run out for right. for putting up a dissenting. Right. That does not sound like sure justice to me. Right. Right. <laughs> 
So, you know, it's tough because no, no one labels, almost no one labels themselves as being far right or far left, right? That's, right. that's a derogatory like name for someone right. who's farther right than you or farther left than you, really. Um, it's kind of like fundamentalist, like almost no one calls themselves that. It's just a fundamentalist is whoever's more religiously conservative than you, you know? Yes. Um, so it's, it's tough, Jim, because I would say even people that I would deem on the far right or far left they would also say you need to be balanced in your news sources, right? Um, so, I, I, I don't know. How, how do you inculcate in yourself some sense of discipline? I, I think you've got to bring that back to yourself. Um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily call my, I don't think I would call myself far right or far left, but I certainly, the discipline needs to apply to me also to find some sources that I don't necessarily go to. So I've tried to do this somewhat, at least with, finding some source uh, I've been and I think some of that goes back to where do we find our identity yeah yeah right if my identity is in Christ then that should set me free to be open not only to the different perspective but to have my my mind changed sure because ultimately the ultimate judge of what is true or wrong um, is Christ it, not my political allegiance right Right. So the fact that I'm a Fox News watcher or an MSNBC watcher ought not be the ultimate determiner of what what is right, what is true. If that's the case, then we need to circle back and practice some of these other virtue, some of our virtues a little bit better uh, and find our identity where it where it belongs. I'm not saying don't watch Fox News or MSNBC. But if you find that you are only able to agree with what one or one of the other is putting forth, then I would suggest to you that you, we need to spend more time in the Word. I, I, and one, one thing I, well, one thing I suggest is not just, not just checking news websites of what's happened in the last 24 hours, but going for some bigger perspective. So I know like, sure. I'm sure Andrew, you've talked about, you know, go, trying to go to our local sources. That's one aspect. Uh, but then I, I think also um, really trying to get into some policy things. So for example, um, some more uh, in the weeds kind of policy related websites that I go to, uh, 538 is a statistical analysis. They do both sports, but they also do news and politics stuff. They do, they have some ability to kind of step back from things. Uh, Real Clear Politics certainly aggregates quite a number of things. Uh, Politico uh, does some of that, though they're also on the kind of daily cycle as well. And you can, basically, if you just search think tank, you'll come across uh, Brookings, Cato, AEI, Center for American Progress, Manhattan Institute, all of these organizations that have a lot of really good analysis out there. And some of the things that I named right there, some of those organizations are libertarian, some are f far left progressive, um, I guess I got through heritage in there is more on, significantly on the writer side. They have different perspectives, but their uh, their analysis is going to be more than you get from the news and a bigger picture anyway. And at the very least, even if you're staying on your side, I think it forces you to try to figure out how the opinions are put together. Like what's the meat that m makes up the sandwich of the opinion? Um, anyway, yeah, so I, I think that's helpful. Uh, as well as uh, simply other ways of getting off the 24-hour cycle is trying to find w things that do that bigger analysis. And, and really that's what's hard is that we used to have that through 
weekly news magazines in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And there were there were lots of them, right? There, uh, I grew up with Newsweek and Time uh, all the time, right? Or Life magazine or uh, whatever, all these different things that were weekly. And those have almost completely died off. They're gone. Yep. And that that's hard for me because those were helpful because there's a lot that happens on a 24-hour cycle that is just not worth knowing. And the next day, you will not even care that you read it, right? right? But at least a week gives a little bit more time for things to build up as a story. And like you said, Andrew, have more investigative reporting. One way, so I think I think you get a little bit of that through the Atlantic, uh, and yeah. obviously that yeah. leans a little bit. That certainly leans more toward left. They have some more conservative writers. I would say the flip side of that, the writing is not as good, but somewhat the flip side would be the American conservative. Uh, they do some of that also, and. Uh, you know, I've got to be honest that the main reason that I'm putting the American conservative out there is because they have Rod Dreher uh, writing for them. Um, yeah, but they have some so they have some uh, real solid sure. uh, policy wonks too. Yeah, like yeah, a guy like right. Daniel Larison. Yeah, right. Um, so there, there's definitely some bigger picture on both of those things there. Uh, Quillette is, has gained a lot of popularity the last few years. Um, I know some people will label, uh, it depends on where you're at, but Quillette is basically, um, I would call it like pop academic. So they get a lot of academics yeah. who do writing for them. And I would label them, I would say, I think a lot of the writers would not identify as conservative, but overall I would call it non-progressive. So a lot of dissenters to the progressive kind of academic mainstream. Yeah, what we might call classic liberals. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, so a lot of interesting articles on Quillette. One thing I really recommend, I've been getting for the last three or four, year, four years now, um, is a weekly email called the Sunday Long Read, and you you can sign up for it on their website, and um, and it just it's a collection of twenty or so long form journalism essays oh, from the previous week, and and this is really helpful to me because a long form journalism uh, gives you bigger perspective, it, it gets really deep into things, uh, but b um, I find that I get more perspective when it's not just like clickbait news about things, but when there's good writing, like I love good writing yeah. and it, you can give me different perspectives, but if you give me good writing, I'm in for a while. Right. And so Sunday long read gives me a lot of just great writers who write just interesting stuff. Some of it's just kind of journalism in the sense of like particular stories about a person. Sometimes it's bigger news cycles. I think another one, uh, Worth noting is Front, front Porch Republic. Yeah, sure. I like them. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're along the lines of more like uh, the American conservative. Though they have probably more often better writers. Yeah, right. I think. Right. Um, and I don't think they tend to be... They, they strike me often being more centrist. They're a little hard. There's certainly a, a core conservative element, but you would have to redefine the word conservative to make sense of that uh, from what most right. people are right. uh, used to. Uh, I, I've, I've subscribed to some print publications to try to get myself in front of various things. Uh, Rolling Stone for cultural issues. Though, to be honest, the writing was not as good as I expected. No, it's um, pretty. Wired, uh, though it that was also a little too pop for me. Scientific American, I like. Uh, again, these are all things that just give me a little more perspective. It arrives at my house, and therefore, I've just kind of got it to browse around with. Flipping through something physically is, I think, better for us than uh, clicking on articles, typically. Yeah, so, we are embodied. Yeah. We should finish up here. Andrew, uh, we've been talking about 
the virtues and consuming news. Um, Andrew, anything else you want to give to our listeners before we head out? Go forth in peace. That's right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Again, please uh, subscribe to what we've got going on. Leave a comment for what you think about this, how you're consuming the news. We'd love to hear from you as you and I all together are seeking a sacred world in a secular age. See you next time, friends. Thank you.